The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. What's up, New Song Church? How you doing this morning? Good to see you. Okay, well, everybody all right? Good? Did your team win this weekend? A lot of UTEP fans in here, I guess, maybe? A little down on your... Okay, anyway, good to see you today. Hey, would you help me welcome everybody that's joining us online right now? Let them know that you're glad that they're here. We're so glad that you are here this weekend. And uh, if you're new to New Song Church, my name is Josh. This is my wife, Sarah. We pastor New Song. We'll be out in the lobby after the service is over. We'd love to meet you. We actually have a gift to give to you, so make sure you stop by and pick that up. And we're up here together because this is a big week for New Song Church. It's a big week. We got a lot going on. And so Sarah's up here to give you guys the rundown on the details. Yes. Because okay. she's a detail oriented right. person. I don't trust Josh to no, do this on his own. So Rightfully I'll be so. there. Okay. Rightfully so. So, so Wednesday's Landmark Assembly. How many are coming to Landmark Assembly? Yes. Okay. So I know there's more of you than that because it's sold out. We sold have out. 300 spots. They're all gone. Um, I think we're trying to open up a few more spots. Students, be prepared to sit on the floor that night. It's going to be super fun. Um, but I, we're, 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 we're maybe trying to open up a few more. Anyways, I say all that to say... Um, be here Wednesday night. If you registered, make sure that you are here. Uh, today's the last day to order food. We want to make it as easy as possible for you. So the tickets are free. Um, but if you want to order City Bites and have it waiting for you when you get here, you can do that at newsongpeople.com slash events under Landmark Assembly. What time do doors open? Doors open at 5.30. Yes. yes. And then it's, it's you, you got a seat, you got a ticket, but you don't have a seat. So you're going to want to get in yeah. here early if you want to be down front. So get in, get in here early. We'll, we'll send an email out to everybody who registered to let you yeah. know what time auditorium doors open. But yes, yes, we'd love for you to come hang out with us before, have a meal, uh, meet some people, talk to some people, have some family fellowship. And uh, come expecting, like we're yes. really expecting. It's going to be a powerful night, powerful worship. Pastor Lee Cummings is going to be here. I'm telling you, he is an incredible man of God. I know he's going to have a word in due season for our church, so you're not going to want to miss it. Make sure you're here ready to go. Right, and then the other thing is next Sunday is our seventh birthday as a Woo! church. Yes, celebrating seven years of New Song Church, and uh, we're going to be celebrating the faithfulness of God because it is only by the faithfulness of God that we are celebrating seven years yeah. as a church. Um, and so I want to invite you to come back next weekend. We're going to have all sorts of birthday swag, food trucks. It's going to be a party. And let me encourage you to come on Saturday night. That way you can bring a friend. Like you come back next Sunday, you can't bring a friend because there's no space for your friend. So you got to come on Saturday and you got to, it's starting at four, four o'clock. Next Saturday, we start service at four, four o'clock. So come bring a friend and uh, we're going to party together and celebrate. Oh, and we're preaching together. We are. Tag yeah. team. Here we it's go. Great. Let's go. Yep. It's going to be good. Uh, if you would, would you take a moment here? We're going to kind of center ourselves to receive of the word of God. How many of you believe that God wants to speak to you today? Yes. Yes. We believe God's going to speak to you today. And I have a wonderful privilege of welcoming our guest speaker today, who's not a really a guest. He's, he's, he's part of our church family. In fact, he's part of my family. He's my dad, Ken Blunt. <laughs> is here and uh, man, I, I can't, I like honestly cannot say enough about the role that my dad and my mom have played in my life. Obviously I'm here because they, they like are my parents, so I'm, I'm alive because of them. 
but beyond that, they have just been such, uh, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? It was just such stability and, and for us throughout our life and, and provide that role for our church as well. Uh, they help do a lot of the counseling within the church, marriage counseling, all that kind of stuff. But beyond that, too, they also serve as like pastors to our pastors. They take out our, our team and minister to the people that are doing the ministry. So if you've received of the ministry of New Song Church, these people have played a big part in that today. So I want you to do me a favor. Would you stand with me this morning as we show honor where honor is due? And we welcome my dad, Pastor Ken Blunt, to the stage. Thank you. You're very kind. You may be seated. Wow, I'm so excited about what God is doing in here. It's, this is awesome, right? Yes. Or, really? Yes. Is that all you got? Yes. I mean, man, the worship was so good. Uh, I believe God's got something really good for us this morning. So let's pray. Join me in prayer. Lord, we love you this morning. We come in the name of Jesus, our Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you purchased for us. We thank you that you put us here on the earth in Edmond, in Oklahoma City for this time, such a time as this, to fulfill your purpose and plan. Every one of the people in here, Lord, I bless them with my words today. And I ask that you minister to all of us uh, exactly where we're at. Uh, may we leave here different than we came, not because of me, but because of you, Jesus. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's jump right into the Word today. We're in a series. We're at the end of it. This is the fifth week. We're talking about what did Jesus do? Uh, you know, Jesus did, just didn't say words. Talk is cheap if it's not backed up. But Jesus backed up his words. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 is our foundational scripture. And uh, Paul tells us, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's sheer genius, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did. And here's what he did. Jesus crucified. He died for us, right? and came alive, and we came alive because of him. But we're talking about what did Jesus do, and we've talked about in the last four weeks, what did Jesus do to overcome temptation was our first week. Then we talked about what did he do when he encountered doubters? What did Jesus do when he dealt with difficult people? Because we deal with difficult people from time to time, right? And he shows us the path. What did he do when he encountered injustice? So our question today is this, what did Jesus do when he encountered sinners? Everybody say sinners. Everybody say there's sinners everywhere. <laughs> did you know that? There are. So uh, Luke 7. In fact, I, I encourage you uh, to take notes today if you would. We're gonna, you can go to the app and find the outline for this. But uh, write things down. We got a new journal this week, right? The Pumpkin Spice Latte Journal. Did you notice that? Uh, yeah, it's fall. So uh, anyway, so what did he do when he, uh, Jesus is, um, 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 let me back up. Jesus in this chapter is, uh, has been ministering in the power of God. And now Pharisees are confronting him again because that's what Pharisees did. Pharisees were the religious people that were always trying to trap Jesus in his words, trying to find fault in him. So Jesus is, is speaking to them in verse 33. And he says this, for John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say 
he has a demon. Verse 34, the son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So Jesus said that this is what these guys are saying about him, that he is a friend of sinners. But is that true? Is Jesus a friend to sinners? I got three sinners I wanna talk about briefly as we begin this morning that believe that he was. Number one was Levi, the tax collector. Now, you find the story of Levi in Luke chapter 5. Once again, once again, Jesus has been ministering by the Sea of Galilee. He's been doing stuff like healing and casting out demons. And this is right after he healed the man that uh, four of his friends let him down through the tiles in a roof. And he was paralytic, and Jesus raised him up. So the power of God's been flowing things are happening. And then in verse 27, it says this, later, this is after all these things are going on, as Jesus left town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. And Jesus says to him, follow me and be my disciple. Follow me and be my disciple. Now understand this. Let's talk about tax collectors for a minute. Israel is under Roman rule. And the Romans would hire Jews to collect taxes from the Jews to pay to the Romans. Uh, and so you, if you wanted to do that, you had to pay a contract, present a contract. And then uh, if you were, uh, uh, the highest bidder would get the contract and then you would be able to collect taxes. And here's the thing about it. It was a very lucrative job because they would collect taxes, pay the Romans, but then they could collect over the, what they were paying the Romans. And if anybody didn't like it, the Roman soldiers would back them up. So they were extorting money, they were crooked, and they became very wealthy, and they were hated and reviled by the Jews. And Levi would have been seen as a traitor. So a Jew going into the tax system was regarded as an outcast to society. They were disqualified from being a judge or a witness in court. They were excommunicated from the synagogue, which was the church of the day. You couldn't go to church anymore. They were disgraced in the community. Their whole family was disgraced. And so, although he was rich, he got a lot of money, he's living with rejection by his own people and must have been living in great condemnation. So he got a lot of dough, but he's not very happy, right? But he encounters Jesus, and something earth-shattering happened to him. We don't know exactly what he said. I mean, we get few words here. We don't know how, Je how long Jesus was there. We don't know what Jesus told him. But after he presented this to him. Here's what Levi did, verse 28. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, if you gave up being a tax collector, you couldn't get it back. But he was willing to walk away from all that money. He walked away from his rich lifestyle, and he couldn't go back. And he became, his name was even changed to Matthew. Matthew was one of the 12. He became one of the 12 disciples. He wrote one of the gospels. His name actually means Yahweh's gift or God's gift. Uh, so he was gifted by God in the middle of his mess, right? This crooked IRS official is changed by the power of God. Isn't that good? Jesus so radically impacts his life that he has a banquet for people like himself. And it says in verse 29, later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. He wants people like him to know the one who transformed his life. Here's the truth. When we meet Jesus, when you meet the real Jesus, you gotta tell somebody. If you really know Jesus, 
You want to tell somebody. So Matthew experienced and believed Jesus was a friend to sinners. That's number one. Number two is Judas, the betrayer of Jesus. He is on Jesus' staff. He is one of the 12. Think about that, one of the chosen 12. And the scripture talks about when you read about Judas, Judas, that he had the bag. That means he had the money bag. He was like the treasurer, secretary treasurer of Jesus' ministry. He kept the money, but he wasn't very good because he was stealing money out of the bag. And Jesus tried to bring this guy along. He tried to minister to him. Uh, he, he prophesied to him from time to time. In fact, at the Last Supper, Jesus told him what, what he was about to do, and yet he went out and did it anyway. Jesus tries to warn him, and yet he didn't listen. He had many chances to get it right, but he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. In Matthew 26, 49, speaking of him, says immediately, this is in the garden. Jesus has, has been praying, sweating great drops of blood because of the pressure going to the cross, bearing the sin of mankind. You know, it was more than just a physical punishment of that. It was the fact that he took on sin. We don't know exactly how that happened, but spiritually, that sin came on him. Sickness came on Jesus that day, and he knew he was about to face that, so he prayed hard about it in the garden. And so he's walking out, and the, the, the mobs come to take him. And verse 20, or excuse me, verse 49 of, of Matthew 26 says this. Immediately he went up to Jesus, that's, that's Judas, and said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Wow. That's where we get the term, the goodbye kiss. But Jesus said to him, now, this is unbelievable. Friend, why have you come? At the very end, Jesus is still trying to redeem this man and call him a friend. So sadly, Judas learned too late that Jesus was a friend of sinners. So we have Matthew, we have Judas. Number three is me. I learned Jesus is a friend to sinners. I've told this story many times. If you heard me tell it, you probably hear me tell it again because it's my story. And uh, it's what happened to me. See, back in 1970, Trudy and I got married. We've been married a long time. And uh, we loved each other, you know, but we began to immediately have trouble because we didn't know how to do life because we're young, we're dumb. But the major thing was we didn't know Jesus and we're having trouble. So one night, long story short, she cries out to God. She gets saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells me about it, thinking I'm gonna jump right in with her, but I didn't. I said, nope, 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 no. <laughs> I stood against that. And why is that? There were reasons for that. But she didn't exactly know why, but she tells the story that she began to pray for me. And that's a dangerous thing for a guy if his wife is praying for him, if, if he's running from God, because I was. And one day, a couple of weeks, probably three, four weeks after she's gotten saved, I am driving to the liquor store. I have a lot of problems in those days. I was 20 years old, but I was on the road to alcoholism. I was full of fear. I was full of all sorts of stuff. And so I'm driving from our little uh, town. I had to make about a 30-mile drive to the liquor store in another county because our, our town was dry. And I'm in my 1963 Ford Galaxy 500 with a 390 motor and a four-barrel carburetor. In fact, I want to show you this car so you get a little taste of this. There it is right there. My car, pea green with a white top, right? That's a two-door. Now, mine was a four-door. 
So mine was even bigger than that. In fact, the back seat of my car was so big, you could have lived back there. That's cars in the 60s, right? So I'm driving down, you know, in the, in the panhandle of Texas where the only trees we got are telephone poles and flat, and I'm going to the liquor store, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I begin remembering something from the time I was a little boy, just out of nowhere. And I begin remembering how I had a Sunday school teacher in my fifth grade class in the church I went to, my mama took me to. And I remember one day, his name was Bobby Sizemore. He was talking to the little boys in this class. There are probably five of us, I think. And he made this statement. He was talking about prayer. He said, boys, prayer is talking to God. And he said, God is always listening to you when you pray. He said, and you don't have to be at church to pray. He said, I pray on my combine. I pray when I'm in my pickup truck sometimes. And he said, remember this. He said, if you ever get into trouble, God is right there. Just call out to him and pray. And those words came back to me. The Holy Spirit brought those words back. You know, that's the importance of children's ministry. We believe in kids' ministry in this church because we, you never know how one Sunday could mark a child's life forever. Something that is said to them about the gospel. Jesus wants to minister to little kids. And on the, on the heels of me remembering that, I don't know how to tell you this. I didn't know the anointing of God, the presence of God from nothing, but his presence filled my car. I'll never forget it. It was real. His presence engulfed my car, and I heard the Lord say, not with, I didn't hear him audibly, but I did hear these words, I love you. He didn't say, you are a dumb sinner. What's wrong with you? Why don't you come? He didn't say that. He said, I love you. And then he said, I want to help you. He said, why don't you ask me to help you? But I didn't that day. But a couple of weeks later, I did. And when I did, he did. And everything changed. And Jesus changed my life. And we were put on a path that we are still on today. That's one of the reasons this church exists today is because of that path that was started back in 1971. God is so good. You ought to clap your hands for the goodness of God. But Jesus befriended me when I was at my worst. So what did Jesus do when he encountered sinners? He came as a friend. Jesus deals with this subject, or excuse me, Paul does, and how we are supposed to treat sinners. Because the way Jesus did things, right, is the way we are supposed to do things. We're supposed to carry out what Jesus did. So look in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. And Paul's writing, and he makes this statement. He said, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You'd have to leave this world to avoid people like that because they're everywhere, right? I meant you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet, now listen, indulges in sexual sin or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people, don't even eat with such people. Wow, pretty strong, right? Why? Because they're being hypocrites. And you know, I'm not saying that Jesus still loves you, but he doesn't want us to live that way. We can be free from stuff like that, and we should be, because we are supposed to be an example for Jesus Christ to the world, Right? So we are, from time to time, we're going to hang out with sinners. That's, and that's we're going to encounter sinners. 
But there's a balance when I talk about this. This doesn't mean that you just go hang out with sinners and you're not careful about this. And, and let's go back in time again, 1971. When, when I got saved, I was playing in a rock band. I was a drummer and the lead singer in the band. And in fact, I got a picture of my rock band. You got to see this. You ready? There we are. Yep. In that picture, awesome. That was 1971. Uh, you know, you got the mop up there. I don't know why we did that. That, that little dog, that's our bass player holding the dog. His name's Jimmy, and that little dog was Sweetie. That, that was our mascot dog. You recognize me? I'm the kind of bloated guy with the dark hair on the front with the big old hair. Look at that hair. Man, I, I wish I could do that again, but I don't think I can. But there we are. That was my rock band. So uh, here, here's what we thought. We got saved, and then we got two more of the guys in the band saved. Trudy and I did. So we got three of the guys in the band. We're Christians. And so, but we get the idea. You know what? We're playing in clubs. That's what we did. And playing in, in, in dances in the area. And uh, we were doing that full time for about a year. And so we thought, you know what? We need to continue to do this because this is the people that need the Lord. It's people in bars and people that are partying. And so we can, we can influence these people. You know, we'll go into their world and we'll play rock and roll music, but then we'll let them know that we're different, right? So it sounded like a good idea. But the problem was after a couple of months, two of the guys in the band, that were the two that were Christians beside me, they kind of backslid and started smoking dope again. And that's not good because the influence of the world was too strong on us. And here's the revelation we got. People that are coming to bars aren't looking for Jesus. They're looking for beer, right? So there may be a better way to do that, we discovered. <laughs> so we're called to be friends of sinners, but not to compromise and be like sinners. It's important to understand. And we want to be friends to sinners so that they may be transformed and restored back to God. That's why we want to be friends with them. We are called to win people to the Lord. You ought to write that down if you're taking notes. We are called to win people to the Lord, not just the church, although we do that in this church. And we have programs and we have missions programs. We talked about this morning and that's a part of it. But you, as an individual, you, me, we're called to influence people that we come into contact with in life to influence them for Christ. Give you some scripture scriptures for this. Proverbs 11.30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. You're smart if you do this. Daniel 12.3, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. See, God has, you know, stardom was originated with God, not Hollywood. And true stars in the plan of God are people that influence people, that win people to the Lord. It's part of our calling. So let's talk about practically how can we do this. I want you to turn to John chapter 4, and we're going to look at a story about the, the lady called the woman at the well. And uh, there are three things that Jesus did whenever he reached this woman that I think speak to us today about what we can do to practically be, be ready, be aware of how to reach people. And uh, so let's, let's read verse three in John chapter four. 
The scripture says that Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Now, once again, Jesus has been ministering to big crowds of people, been healing people, and now in John chapter four, he said he left Judea, and he goes into the, uh, and from Galilee, and he goes into Samaria, and he said he must needs go. What, what does that mean? That means Jesus knew that's where he was supposed to go. He was led by the Spirit. He prayed, and then he was led by the Spirit on where to go to reach this lady. So my first point is we need to pray and go where we're led. So Jesus goes into Samaria. Samaria was a place in that time for the Jews to avoid. It's a hot day. The scripture says it was the sixth hour, which means it was noon. And he goes to a well in a city called Sychar, and it's where Jacob's well was. And as he's at the well, a lady comes along, and Jesus engages this lady and says, give me to drink. I understand this about Samaria. The, the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. Uh, Samaritans were intense idol worshipers. In fact, they had built a rival temple on Mount Gerizim to rival the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, the Jews shunned going to Samaria and dealing with Samaritans. Samaritans were seen as mongrel Jews. They were viewed as below. They were ra- the Jews racially discriminated against the Samaritans, okay? But that's where Jesus was called to go. Why? Because he prayed and was led. This is where the Holy Spirit led him. We are to be led by the Spirit like Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. We are not to be led. This is important. We're not to be led by people's needs. We're to be led by the Spirit. Because if we were led by people's needs, there's so many needs, how are you going to meet them all? You know, if you, I'm going to be led by needs. So you're going to stop at every place where there's, there's a homeless person, somebody asking for money on the street. How do you know who's right and who's not? From time to time, I'll give money to some of those. But I, I try to check my spirit. Lord, are you leading me to do this? Because I, then I hear some people like that, and not all of them. There's legitimate needs, I'm sure. But then I hear some of them, they, they beg on the street and then they, behind the building, they go get in their Mercedes and drive away. They're making a lot of money. So we want to be led by the Spirit, not people's needs. Uh, Jesus was led to the right, right person. So we need to pray and ask God where he wants us to go and who he wants us to minister to. Number two, we need to make friends with sinners. We need to make friends. That's what we just talked about. Jesus didn't condemn this lady. He didn't say to her, you know what, lady, you're going to hell. He engaged her. And this is the way he began. Hey, give me a drink of water. He drew her in by offering to give her living water. He befriended her. Uh, He says to her in verse 13 in John 4, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. The water I give him will become a spring of water gushing up inside that person, giving eternal life. That's a born-again experience. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will never be thirsty again and will not have to come back here to get more water. When she asked for the living water, it opened the door for Jesus to go deeper. But once again, first thing he did was befriend her. We're called to be friends with people. I want to read you a great story here. Uh, So hang in here with me. Jim, an elder at a church, was assigned to oversee the evangelism of a group of Vietnamese refugees who had just moved into the church's neighborhood. 
He felt especially drawn to Sun Lee and his family who had no possessions, knew no one, and needed help in every way. Jim began by helping the family get food, and then he helped Sun Lee find a job. He befriended him. Jim wanted so much to tell Sun Lee about Jesus, but since he didn't speak Vietnamese and the refugees knew very little English, he found it difficult to communicate. Both Jim and Sun Lee began to learn as much of each other's language as possible so they could become better friends. One day, Jim felt that he finally knew enough Vietnamese to tell Sun Lee about Jesus. But the more he talked, the more confused Sun Lee seemed to be. Finally, Sun Lee blurted out, Jim, is your God like you? Jim replied, oh, he's far greater. Sun Lee interrupted, if he's like you, Jim, I want to know him. Isn't that good? Often the most effective communication of the gospel is the word of our deeds. Be a friend like Jesus. Befriend people. You know, in my neighborhood, I've got people that I've picked out that I am trying to befriend. And we've got a lot of multi multicultural people in our neighborhood. Uh, I've become friends with uh, uh, a guy named Tran who's from Vietnam. He lives at the end of the neighborhood. I became friends with a guy just a couple of weeks ago named Asif who lives a couple of doors down from me. And, and I'm being friends with them with the purpose of one day, if the Lord opens the door, maybe I can share the gospel with them. If not, I'm praying for them that if I don't do it, somebody else will be able to. Sometimes I, when I walk my dog, I'm usually thinking about the people in my neighborhood. And I'm walking around and I'm praying for them. Sometimes I see them, sometimes I don't. But I was a couple, it was just last week I was praying and the Spirit of God came on me with compassion and I, tears welled up in my eyes because I thought these guys, if they don't know Jesus, they're going to hell. And I began to plead with the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that these men might be saved. See, but that begins by being a friend to them because for some people, the only Jesus they'll ever see is you. So we want to be friend people. And then number three, this is my last one. Look for an opening to go in for the kill. I like that one. Look for an opening to go in for the kill. When Jesus told this lady about the living water, she said, give me this water. And then Jesus went in. He looks at her and says, okay, then bring your husband here too. She says, well, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands and you're living with a guy right now. And she says, sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. <laughs> Perceived right. Jesus read her mail. Jesus did something that he couldn't do in his, on his own. The Holy Spirit told that to Jesus. Listen, here's what I want to say. The Holy Spirit wants to supernaturally equip us to do what he's called us to do. By the gifts of the Spirit, that's called a word of knowledge. Something in this lady's past that the Holy Spirit gave Jesus that he was able to say to her that touched her heart. The, the Holy Spirit was helping Jesus get to her heart. She was convicted of her sin and her life then was transformed. Jesus didn't say what she did was okay, but because of his love, his prayer being led, his befriending her and then being bold at the right time to speak out, he brought this lady to the Lord. She said, you are the Messiah. She received Jesus. And then here's what's cool. Then she went out into the community of Sychar and began to tell people about Jesus. 
She says, you got to come see a guy that told me everything that I've ever done, which really he didn't do that. He just told her one thing. And yet to her, it opened the door for this Jesus is awesome, man. And so Jesus then went into the city and stayed there for two days ministering to people. This one lady triggered a revival. You never know what one person can do. As we're led by the Spirit, she was transformed by the power of God. That's what we're called to do. There is nothing like winning somebody to Christ. There is nothing more satisfying. I'm telling you. I'm gonna close with this story. True story. A few years after Trudy and I got saved, we're serving in church, you know, and there's a, a couple we befriended and we hang out with them and, and they were kind of like us. They, they like to win people to the Lord. It was big in their DNA. In fact, this guy today, he's about my age. He's a pastor out in the panhandle of Texas. He's in a little town of 5,000 people. He's got a church of over 300 people, which is a mega church in that town, right? And he's done such a great work in the community. But his name is Rusty Gray. So Rusty and Vicki and Trudy and I would get together. They'd come to our little house, and we would pray that God would lead us and just pray for people. And we'd drink coffee and pray. If you're going to pray, you got to have coffee, Right? And so we're drinking coffee and praying, drink coffee. And then Rusty and I, we'd get in the car and we'd go out. And this one particular night, uh, it was in the fall. Uh, we went out in the car and we believe God's going to lead us somewhere. So we're just like, okay, Lord, here we go. Where do you want us to go? So we're driving around town and, you know, we're driving from place to place. And we ended up over at, by the roller rink in this little town. And there were a few people there at the roller rink. But there was one guy across the street that had his car backed up. And he had the trunk open, and he's playing loud rock and roll music. He's got one of those big speakers in the back, right? He's playing like ACDC or, you know, Van Halen or something, screaming song. And so we said, let's go talk to that guy. So we pull up there, and we walk up to him. He's just loud. And so to talk to him, we're going to have to scream, right? I said, hey, how you doing, man? Wow. Good music, huh? Hey, do you know Jesus loves you, buddy? Yeah, hey, you ever thought about going to hell? You ever thought about going to heaven? We're just yelling these things. And that guy didn't move. He just stood there like this. He kind of looked at us, but he didn't acknowledge anything. So we talked to him for a while, and we're getting no response. And then before we left, he said, hey, can we pray for you? And he just kind of, you know, did that. And we said, it's like he didn't tell us no. So we lay hands on him. We start praying for him. Lord, bless this guy. Lord, Lord, just show him how good you are. Show him Jesus. Lord, may he get saved. May, Lord, we pray for him. We pray for his health. We pray if there's anything wrong with him, you heal him. We pray for his finances. Lord, let him know that you are a blesser. And then we just got done, said, okay, see you later. And he just kind of nods his head and we drive away. Music's still blasting. So I moved. In the next couple of months, we moved to Tulsa. This is back, we lived in Texas. We were... You know, I was, I was a Texan. I have repented. And, you know, I, about that, you know, I, I, it took me a long time to root for Oklahoma. I mean, I was rooting for Texas, but I saw the error of my ways. I really, from my heart, root for OU now. Isn't it good to know what God can do? Yeah. But we, we moved to Oklahoma and uh, back in, in 1982. And a couple of months we've been here, and I get a call from Rusty one day. He said, man, I got to tell you something. I said, what's going on? He said, you remember that guy a few months ago that we stopped at the roller rink and, you know, we went and that guy had his music saw? I said, yeah. He said, he said, today in church, he said, today in church, a guy walks up to me and said, do you know who I am? And I looked at him and I said, no. 
He said, remember the, the roller rink one night a few months ago you were there? He said, that was me. Russ said, that was you? He said, yeah. He said, you know what? I got saved. Rusty said, awesome. He said, you know what else? I was partially deaf. That's one of the reasons I was playing that music so loud. When you guys pray for me, God opened up my ears. Come on, clap your hands. God got saved. You never know what God can do with you. God wants to use you to touch people. So what did Jesus do when he encountered sinners? He befriended them. He loved them. He ate with them. He related to them. He corrected them from a heart of love. He saved them. I like the words of Paul. This talks about me. First uh, Timothy 1.15. This is a, truth, a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. You know, one of the best things you can do if you're in need, if you're hurting, if you don't feel good, you got challenges, go try to find somebody else you can minister to. Go bless somebody else. Get your eyes off you. Get your eyes on somebody else. You'll be surprised what God will do with you because Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Close your eyes. Listen, everybody I'm looking at this morning, you look saved. If I was guessing, I'd, I'd guess everybody in this room is saved, but I could be wrong because I can't tell. So I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. And if you've never done this before, if you pray this with your heart, your life will change forever and ever after this moment. Everybody say, I believe Jesus is the son of God. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead for me. My friend, Jesus, I receive you now. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. As simple as that. Would you stand up on your feet right now? Here's what I want you to do. Our prayer team's coming up right now uh, to pray for you. If you have a need, any kind of particular need, please come and let us agree with you in prayer. There's power in agreement. The Bible said one will put 1,000 to flight, two will put 10,000. And we want to agree with you in prayer, but here's what I'd like to challenge you to do today too. If there's somebody that you're, that's on your mind right now, I've been talking about sinners and God leading you, you may have somebody on your heart that the Lord wants you to pray for today. That's where it begins. Pray for them. I encourage you to come up to the altar and, and quickly pray and agree. The scripture says, Acts 10, 31, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved and your house, your family. I prayed that prayer over my dad for 10 years. He ran from God. When I first got saved, he forbade me from talking about Jesus in his house. I tried to tell him, but he wouldn't listen. But I could be sneaky. I could pray for him, and I did. And it's about 10 years later, my dad came to Christ miraculously and is in heaven today because of the goodness of God. Amen. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's, but pray for somebody. Come on up to the front. Let's worship God and let's uh, bless the Lord as we end our service today. Happy weekend, everybody. Thanks for coming to church today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. 
And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.